our kids will be in here this week again with us. You guys all have your treat bags and your coloring sheets and <clears throat> all those fun little things. Next week, we will have a special kids' church for the littlest ones as they think a little bit more uh, about the Christmas story in kids' church. And so we're excited for that. But this morning, we get to worship alongside them. So it will be a little more movement, a little more noise, and my message today will even have a little bit more uh, focus on the kids as you guys will have some questions to answer here in a couple minutes for me, okay? But this morning is our third week in the season of Advent, and as we said earlier, our theme for this week of Advent is joy. Now, in the last two weeks, we've, we've been exploring in this series this kind of sub-theme throughout December on the kingdom of God. We've been looking at the promises that God had made to say a kingdom, his kingdom, would come and the true king over all kings would come to rule over. He would be the divine son of man. And according to Daniel 7.14, we read, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This great kingdom of God that we've been talking about is unlike any earthly kingdom. Every nation upon earth is finite, is limited. Every nation that exists will come to an end eventually. Right now, despite how far we think we have progressed as humanity, every nation that exists has to continually consider and guard against threats that would destroy it from outside itself and within itself because any nation upon this earth can be destroyed very quickly. No nation that exists will last forever except the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that Jesus is the king over begins to be seen in inaugurated fulfillment when Jesus came to earth in his first advent. That's the, the theological terminology we use to describe the reality that I talked about in the first week of this series. I said, more simply, we live in the already but not yet. So in, in one sense, the kingdom of God is truly already here. You and I, as citizens of the kingdom of God, belong to this kingdom. We've assembled here in this place to represent the kingdom. We're like an embassy of the kingdom of God here upon this earth. What Daniel and Isaiah prophesied when they said the kingdom is coming, the king himself is coming right at the start of the New Testament when we find John the Baptist on the scene. He proclaims, the one who comes after me, the one who has been promised and longed for and waited, he is the true king of kings and his kingdom is the promised kingdom of God. And so this is what we celebrate this time of year for us. This season is when we put specific focus on the fulfillment of the promise, Jesus did come. His first advent, his first coming into the world is the whole reason for this special time on our calendars. It's the reason for all the parties and the gifts and the big meals of celebration with food and family. All of this exists because Jesus came just as the prophet said he would. And at his birth, Jesus is declared to be the Messiah, the Savior, the one people have longed for hundreds and hundreds of years to see come. This is him, born a baby outside a small town. And when the wise men come from the east to visit him, they come saying they understood not only was he the Messiah, the Savior of the Jewish people, but he was indeed the true king. And if he's a king, it means he must have 
a kingdom. And Jesus says that that indeed is true. When he begins his public ministry over and over and over again, Jesus tells the people as he preaches to them, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, in fact, here. It begins to be seen in a small group of people that follow Jesus, that understand who he is, but it grows powerfully and quickly following Jesus' death and resurrection. In our Sunday school lesson, this is what we're talking about, the beginning of the mission, the expansion of the church. Last week, we talked about Pentecost Sunday, where 3,000 people come to believe in the message of Jesus in one day, and the kingdom begins to grow quickly from that day forward until right here and right now. I mean, it's what we were celebrating last week, wasn't it? That the kingdom is still expanding and still growing as we had six baptisms. Those were celebrations last week that God is still saving people. He's still bringing them into his kingdom. The promises of Colossians 1, 3 to 14 are still true, which says that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We saw that on display as six people stood here last week and said, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I trust in Jesus. I have had my sins forgiven. When a person is saved from their sins, this marvelous transformation happens. Redemption, the forgiveness of all of our sins by God taking them from us and putting them upon the cross of Jesus, the great exchange of our sinfulness for his perfection and righteousness that reality should change everything for us. When we are redeemed, we are made citizens of the kingdom of God and into members even of the household of God. We are made his sons and his daughters as he adopts us. Christians, as we have talked about week after week in this series, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. And what I want us to think about this morning is what that should mean to us and how that should impact how we live and how we celebrate in this season in particular because we need to understand that the kingdom of God is not like any earthly kingdom, not like any earthly nation. The kingdom of God is represented in physical gatherings like this, the church coming together, assembling to worship him and us going out and proclaiming the gospel to other people. There's a physical component to the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is much more than physical things. Paul tells us in Romans 14, 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What he means is that the kingdom of God is not able to be seen and experienced just by physical markers. No one will know if you and I are citizens of the kingdom of God because simply of where we live or what language we speak or what things we eat or drink or don't eat or drink. That's not enough for someone to recognize that you and I are citizens of the kingdom of God. The only way for them to know that we are citizens of the kingdom of God is by how we live our lives and what overflows from our hearts that reflect the kingdom we belong to. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's entirely possible for people to be citizens of earthly nations and not really be impacted by that day by day. In fact, I'd argue most of us in this room probably don't think much about the benefits of our citizenship on a day by day basis in our regular lives, right? 
I mean, we might be a little bit more aware of things around election time because we have the, the benefit and the right of going to vote for candidates we want to represent us. We might think about the benefit of our citizenship in that moment. Or we, we could even be aware of the benefit of citizenship when we fill out certain forms, starting a new job, and you, you can provide documentation that says you're able to work and earn a living in this country and, and everything is fine for you to, to do that here. You might think about it then. For those of us who've traveled overseas, uh, maybe when it's that we come back from overseas and we, we realize the benefits of our citizenship is we get to come into the country and hop on a new flight and go pretty much anywhere we want to go without too many questions or really much problem. We might think about citizenship in those moments, but day to day, living your normal life, doing your normal routine, you and I probably don't think too much about the citizenship of the earthly nation that we belong to. But as Christians... Our citizenship should not be something we think about every once in a while. It should be something that drives our daily lives. The reality that we are citizens of the kingdom of God should impact your day-to-day life and your routine and what you do here and now. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we should be marked by the characteristics that reflect our citizenship and reflect the true kingdom that we belong to. The kingdom that Paul says here is one of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we are members of that kingdom and that's what the kingdom looks like, you and I should look like people marked by righteousness, peace, and joy as we live and encounter people all around us. So the question needs to be asked, if we're talking about joy, which is our theme for the morning, what does joy mean? If we're supposed to be joyful people, how, how do we need to look? Does joy mean that you and I need to have personalities that are always happy, peppy, and excited? Because that seems like what joy would be, right? Kids, I, I said I had a, a couple questions for you. So here's, here's a question for you, and you can just kind of speak up where you are. How many of you have seen this movie? Anyone seen this movie, Inside Out? Yeah? Adults, anyone seen this movie, Inside Out? Okay, lots. It's actually a pretty good movie, all right? How many of you guys know who this character is? Who is that? Anybody tell me the name? You can just shout it out. Riley. Riley, that's the name, Riley. Now, Riley, in the movie Inside Out, if you haven't seen it, Riley is kind of our main character. But really, we spend most of the movie not so much focused on Riley, but what's going on inside Riley's mind. So actually, these are really the main characters of the movie. Everybody recognize all these colorful characters? Let's... let's understand who we're looking at here. Can anyone tell me who this next one is? Go ahead. Who's this? Anger. Anger. Looks kind of angry, right? Any of you ever looked angry like that? No? Okay. Some, yes. Okay, who's this? Fear. Fear. That's fear. He does not look like he's having a good time. He is scared of something, right? That's fear. Okay. Uh, Who's this? Disgust. Anybody ever looked like that? Yeah, maybe. She looks like that when they try to give her broccoli pizza. She does not like that. She's. What about this one? Who's this character? Sadness. That's sadness. Yeah. And our main character in the movie is really this one. Who is this? Joy. Now, when we first meet Joy in the movie Inside Out, Joy is always happy and peppy and excited But if you've seen the movie, you know that by the end of the movie, Joy has changed a little bit. She's matured a bit and grown up because of everything that happens and everything she learns in the movie, right? If you haven't seen the movie, I'll encourage you. It's actually a really good kid's movie. It's uh, surprisingly deep for a movie that features a character who looks like this. 
His name is Bing Bong, and he describes himself as an imaginary friend made up of part elephant, part cat, part dolphin, but mostly cotton candy. <laughs> so for a movie that features Bing Bong, the cotton candy imaginary friend, and a look at all the little emotions inside this girl's head, this is a surprisingly good movie teaching us some important things, but the team at Pixar, as good as the movie is, doesn't quite get to the reality that you and I as Christians can understand about the world that we live in and about how joy should look in the lives of Christians. See, what we can understand that Riley doesn't get in the movie and that Pixar's team doesn't really bring out for us is that everything that takes place in the movie, every reality that, that she goes through that causes her to need to mature and, and grow up is all a result of living in the already not yet of this world. See, the reality is this world is broken and bad things happen. For Riley, it's moving across the country and leaving her friends and leaving all the things she's ever known behind. To her, that's, it's a hard thing that she has to go through and it causes her to grow up and to learn how to mature and to see the good things that happen and are being brought into her life in this new stage. But the reality is all of us go through changes. We go through seasons that we find to be hard and having joy in this life. For anyone who's as old as Riley is in the movie, we understand the joy is often mixed with other things, other emotions like sadness or fear because we live in a world that's not yet perfect and it's hard sometimes to live in this world. See, we're citizens of a kingdom that is fully joy and peace and righteousness, but you and I right now, we're pilgrims upon this earth that's filled with loss and trials and tribulations. So as I'm thinking about joy and Thinking about this message and this week, I, I couldn't get away from thinking about how Peter talks about joy at the start of his first epistle. And that's the, the text I want us to unpack here for just a few moments. Tobiah and I have been reading through uh, the Bible together. It's our routine at night. We usually read a chapter, sometimes a, a few more. And we're, we're getting close to finishing up the entire New Testament. We'll have read all the New Testament together over the course of this year. But a couple weeks ago, we finished up both of Peter's letters. And I, I couldn't get the statements that Peter makes about joy from chapter one of his first epistle out of my mind. Here's, here's what Peter tells us about joy. He tells Christians in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Rejoice, though now for a little while as necessary you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look, listen to what Peter says here. He gives a command to you and I to have joy, to rejoice, to be joyful. And notice, it's, it's a command. Not a suggestion to be joyful people. Not, well, some of you are joyful people, so be joyful, and the rest of you, eh, sorry, you know. No, this is a command to all Christians here and in other places like it throughout the New Testament. We are told we should be joyful as the people of God, even, in fact, especially in the midst of hardships, in the midst of troubles and trials and sadness and things that anger us and things that may cause us to have fears. We're still told rejoice, have Joy. Understand this morning, mature joy is developed and refined through the things that happen in our lives. That's the whole point of the movie Inside Out. 
They're learning that a mixture of joy and sadness, joy and fear, and, and these other things all come together to actually make a, a more mature person. Riley begins to grow up as she learns life isn't all about just being happy and excited and exuberant. And being sad doesn't mean there's nothing good that's going on. As she learns and matures and grows, she's learning a truth that you and I as Christians should know as well. Mature joy is developed and refined through the things that happen in our lives. Peter tells us that our trials, our troubles, our hard times in this life, they're like the fires, he says, that refine gold. If you've ever looked into the process of what makes gold valuable, you understand that to make gold valuable, you have to melt down the ore, and it has to get heated up so that the impurities, all the things that aren't good, float up to the top, and they're scraped off by the person who is working with the gold. And you have to keep doing this process over and over and over again, heating it up and scraping it off and removing all of these impurities. When gold is fully refined... The person who is working with the gold can see their reflection in that melted gold heated up by the fires in front of them. That's when they know it's done. Peter tells us that our trials and our troubles, they're like refining fires to our faith. The more that we endure, the more hardships that we face, the more the impurities in our life are exposed and brought up and God can scrape those things away to make us more refined more like him, to the point that the goal that God is working in us is that you and I would reflect God, that we would look like God when we're melted down, when we've been broken down by our trials and troubles in this life. See, that's the sign of real maturity and of real refinement. It's easy to look good on the outside when everything is going really well, right? It's easy to think about having joy and hope and love and peace in the Christmas season when everybody's happy and teachers are a little bit more lenient with our homework and our boss might give us a, a bonus at work and the songs are all optimistic on the radio. It's easy to look good on the outside then when things are good, but when things get hard, when trials come, when difficulties are present in our life, that's when we find out do we really have joy and hope and love and peace. So how does this idea that, that the trials and the tribulations are like fires that refine us, bring us joy? Well, the simple answer is the simple thing I've been telling you from, from time and time again as I've been your pastor and we've walked through experiences together. I've said this to you countless times. Joy should be in us because God is working in and through all things. And the reality of what Peter's driving at here is the more that we face in this life, the more difficulties, the more fires, the more, the more challenges we have, the more refined we are becoming. And I love the fact that Peter's illustration, it, it ties to gold, and the connection of gold to Christmas is obvious. This morning we, we sang the song about the three kings, the wise men, really, who came to bring gifts to Jesus. Kids, what are the three gifts that the wise men brought to the Christ child? What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yes, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts that were brought. Now, those are pretty amazing gifts for someone to receive. But how many of you have ever seen gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Anybody ever seen those? Just yesterday, we were opening up presents in my house from my aunt. 
normally she sends them uh, at Thanksgiving, but we weren't able to go visit her uh, for Thanksgiving. So she mailed us big boxes of all of our Christmas presents for our family. And we text her, hey, we got the package. Thanks so much. We put them under the tree. And she said, hey, I would love to see the kids open their presents. And, and you guys, too, the things we got, I got you. Could we do a FaceTime call? And I watched them open the presents. Get all excited. So it was okay. Well, Christmas is coming early for our kids. Uh, so we opened up all the presents that we got. One of the gifts that we got says, to the Jesh family. And Tobiah opened it all up. And it's this little tiny box. He opens up. And out he pulls this little bitty bottle. And my aunt says, read the note that's attached to it. And so I, I pull it out. It's a very tiny print. So Tobias says, nope, and hands it off to me. So I read the story of what is in the bottle was actually real gold and strips of frankincense and myrrh. And it's in this beautiful little bottle ornament that's hanging now on our tree. And I thought, what an amazing gift to receive. I understood the value of those things and what they meant. And I understood this was, this was a costly item to be given to us. And I was very grateful for it. My kids, on the other hand, didn't quite grasp what those things meant. So the Lego sets and the coloring books and the chef's outfit that Julia got, they were where the attention was drawn to. But I guarantee that in years to come, they will begin to value that gift more than the Lego sets that are already built, than the chef's outfit that will become too small, than the coloring pages that will be all done and gone away one day. These gifts that were brought to Jesus included gold. And I, I imagine that the gold brought to Jesus was not raw gold ore. It had been refined. It had been made pure, it had gone through this process of becoming more and more valuable because the gift being given wanted to reflect the worship of the giver. And so that gift had to be refined. And here's what's amazing for you and I to think about in our lives and our relationship with Jesus is that the gifts of gold that were given to Jesus, while he would grow and understand the value of those things, he cares more about you and I than about the gold he received as a child. We are more precious to Jesus than gold is. That should bring us great joy to realize that. He loves his people. He loves us more than gold, more than any gift you and I could give to Jesus. In fact, he loves us so much that he doesn't ask us to give him gifts. He himself gives us the greatest gift of all. You and I should have joy because we have received the gift of salvation from our sins and citizenship in the kingdom of God. And it's almost as I read these words like Peter's writing directly to you and I because the next words in his text is, this, is the case for every single one of us in this room today. First Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. So rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul's true joy, my friends, it comes from experiencing God's love towards us that moves us to respond with love and faith, belief in him. We find joy in our relationship with God that surpasses any gift that we could give or receive this season. We can read a lot about what joy looks like in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament and the Psalms. But Peter continues here in his letter to tell us that the joy you and I have as Christians should be far greater than the joy of the psalmists, than the joy of the Old Testament saints. Because you and I, we understand as Christians the gift of salvation and the person and the work of Jesus in a way that they never could. Look at the next few verses of 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. He says, 
Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. He's saying they wanted to know when was all this going to happen. They were getting these revelations from God, and they longed to see that. They longed to know about that. But it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In the things that, you have now, that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the things which angels long to look. What Peter's telling us, if I could boil it kind of down for us, is that you and I should have joy in our lives and an even greater joy than the Old Testament believers had because you and I know the story. We know how Christ came. We can read his life and his work and his saving grace in the scriptures with a clarity that nobody in the ancient world could have imagined having. And he even tells us, you and I, we should have more joy in us, greater joy than the angels have, because we are the ones being saved by God's grace, not them. Think about that for a moment. We're almost to the Christmas season. Maybe you've already read a couple of the Christmas accounts in your home already, or you will before Christmas Day. But we even sang this morning about it in one of our songs, how the angels expressed joy at the coming of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, you probably have heard this before. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the shepherds, they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And verse 13, suddenly... There was with the angel, the one who'd been speaking, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Hear this, the joy of the angels about the advent, the coming of Christ was so great that a huge host of them appears in the night sky to sing praises to God, to glorify him in front of lowly little shepherds and a whole bunch of sheep outside a very tiny little town in Israel. If that's the joy of the angels, that they would sing like that, then you and I have no reason whatsoever to ever come in here with the assembly of God's redeemed people and not ourselves fully engage in singing and praising Him every single week. Look, if you're a Christian, you have the chance, you have the opportunity every week to express your joy through worshiping God for his grace, the grace he has shown you personally as you worship him with other believers. Like this, what we're doing this morning, this is not a small thing. This assembly should not be secondary to us. These moments should be cherished by us. They should be looked forward to. We should understand these to be times of great joy in our own lives. We should prioritize being here and worshiping and praising this God. Our whole lives are to be lives of joyful worship in response to God's love and grace. And that kind of joy, true joy, can be had even when things are difficult, even when hard times come, even when trials happen, because we know God is at work in and through all those things to refine us. 
True joy is matured and grown when we face hard times and we learn how to trust and worship God in the midst of them. So as we've gathered today, if you, if you don't know the love of God in this way, if you don't have this kind of relationship with God that allows you to worship him in the midst of whatever may come in this life, I'm telling you, you will struggle in this life because we live in this already not yet reality that, that makes this life right now filled with trials and hardships. For those of us, though, who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we can know that our king, the true king, he is ruling and reigning over all things. And if he's working in all things, he's promised to bring us home safely to himself. So as we wrap up this morning, I want us to take advantage to, to put the angels to shame this morning and take the chance to sing of joy as people who've experienced God's great grace to us, that we have the opportunity now to express our joy at the gift he has given us. And I will challenge you, if you've never experienced this joy, if you've never experienced this love of God, then in this next moment, as we sing or as we conclude this morning, search your heart. Place your faith and your trust and your hope in him. Accept his love and his grace that he extends so that you too can have true joy in this season. Wendy and the worship team are going to come, and we're going to sing a song together. Published in 1709, it is still one of the most popular Christmas hymns around, and it's all about joy. It's about the joy that the angels declared Jesus would bring to all his people. It's about the joy that caused the wise men to bring the gifts and worship the Christ child. The joy that God's people, no matter what we face in this already not yet, have a king. He is the Lord who has come. And for those who receive him as their king here and now, we are given true joy to live as we await his second advent coming to us or us going home to him, to the kingdom of God. My hope, my prayer is that every one of us this Christmas, we would receive the gift of salvation and we would make this year all about the joy and the worship of him. Let's start now. Would you stand with me as we sing joy to the world?